the MMA Roadshow, episode number 446. My name is John Morgan, and Cole Coffee is not with me, although you will certainly be hearing from him later in the program. He is back home in Las Vegas, Nevada, covering the UFC this weekend, getting ready for a UFC fight night that I will make it back for on time, just barely, on Saturday, UFC fight night 230. This Saturday, October the 14th. But right now, I'm actually in Miami, Florida. South Beach, in fact. Uh, had a, a full day of, of hitting uh, American Top Team. And then over to uh, Killcliffe FC. Basically, it was a, a media day that was arranged by the PFL uh, to visit some of the finalists that are set up and ready to go for that November 24th show in Washington, D.C., and it worked out just absolutely perfect for me because I've got to be in Tampa, Florida tomorrow because on Friday we have CFFC 126 and Drajoni versus Ishmael. So, uh, man, I mean, a busy week, but a perfect week. I did have to miss Dana White's Contender Series, the last one of the season. I missed that uh, on Tuesday night because I took a Tuesday flight here, and then we did the, uh, the media day today, and then just a short flight tomorrow morning over to Tampa, Florida, and CFSC 126, and then the flight back home on Saturday morning on uh, no sleep, so hopefully I can crash out on the plane. I think I'm going Tampa to Phoenix, and then Phoenix to Vegas. Hopefully I can get a little bit of sleep and uh, and be ready for UFC fight night, 2.30. Crazy, crazy stretch. But, I mean, that just pales in comparison to the craziness that is UFC 294 right now. Uh, listen, I have been tracking this all day long, of course. Again, we were we were busy doing interviews. We talked with uh, with Kayla Harrison. Uh, we talked with Josh Silvera. We talked with uh, Henny Fajera, uh, those three over at uh, American Top Team. We were supposed to speak to Magomed, Magomed Karamov as well, uh, but there was a mix-up in the schedule with his translator. And so, unfortunately, um, he tried to do it in English. I give him all the credit in the world because I don't even know a word of Russian and he tried, but it was just communicating questions was a problem. So everybody was very apologetic, and, and we didn't get a chance to talk to them, which I'm intrigued by that final, actually. Um, him and Sadabu C, uh, both of them trying to become two-time PFL world champions, and Sadabu C has actually won nine straight fights. The last guy to beat him was Magomed, Magomed Karimov, who uh, has been dominant but has had some issues along the way with you know, some surprise setbacks and some injuries. But – Neither here nor there. We didn't get to talk to him. But all along the way, oh, and I should say, and then we got over to Killcliffe FC. Uh, Impa Kasanganai was there. Uh, man, Impa's turned into just an absolute phenomenal interview, man. Just a, 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 a super nice, well-thought-out guy. Um, and really just this this great story of return. You know what I mean? The You know, he mentioned it. He's like, what's today? And I was like, ah, it's uh, October 11th. He's like, yeah, three years ago. Uh, three years ago yesterday, so he said it was October 10th. Three years ago yesterday, uh, I was getting knocked out by Joaquin Buckley and, you know, this low point of my career, and everybody wondered if I'm ever going to be able to move past it. And uh, now I'm here fighting for the fifth time this year, straight from the Challenger Series all the way to the finals. And, um, yeah, man, he's he's looking to secure a million dollars. So what a turnaround. You know, he actually said after the after the semifinal win, he kind of looked at his coaches in the locker room and was like, man, I am so lucky the UFC let me go. And that's that's hard to say. You know, and not look, not everybody that gets in that position is, is going to make it to the million-dollar fight. But 
when you do, man, it, it really is cool. So talk more about that in a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's great talking to all those guys. But, of course, could not help but be checking the phones uh, all, all night long. Of course, it started last night. Um, I was watching the, 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 the Dana White scrum afterwards when he confirmed that, yes, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky has stepped into the main event of USC 294, and we're going to get the rematch against Islam Mahashev. And it's crazy, man. I mean, you see all the memes out there with the with the big balls. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to say it, right? With the, the, the big balls of Alexander Volkanovsky uh, stepping in on short notice. And, man, every meme that's out there is much deserved, man. This is... A, a phenomenal, phenomenal move. I mean, to be able to to take this kind of opportunity on short notice and, and say, yes, I will take that challenge. I mean, that just shows you the greatness of Alexander Volkanovsky. And, I mean, if you weren't already a Volk fan, and, and I don't know how anybody could not be a Volk fan, but here you go. I mean, stepping in to save the show, right? Unfortunate with Charles Oliveira. Very, very unfortunate, man. Um you know, he said it a clash of heads, and you saw the nasty, nasty cut. Very, very unfortunate. Um, I know he was apologizing, but come on, man. I, you know, Charles Oliveira's got nothing to apologize for. That's a freak, freak accident, man, and it sucks. It really sucks. I mean, you do start getting into things like, well, maybe headgear would be a, a good, you know. I don't know the exact full story yet or the exact full circumstances, but you do wonder, hey, man, that close out to a fight that big, let's let's make sure we're taking some precautions, shall we? Um but I, I don't want to make that sound as any blame or, you know, maybe it's a situation where he's like, dude, I just – I got to get that real-world feeling, man. I, I just not the same with headgear on. I got to get some some actual live rounds. And um, it's fair. I mean, but the opponent can wear headgear. I mean, there's – you know, you, you wonder what happened. You sometimes, you know, hopefully it's not a situation where somebody was throwing a knee. I mean, it sounds like it was a clash of heads, but there's just, you know – I think those days are kind of behind us, but there used to be days where guys were trying to be gym heroes, you know. And bro, if you're in there training with a champ, it's that's not your day to shine, right? That's not your day to show everybody how badass you are and that you deserve the next title opportunity. Like, no, 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 you're there to help get this man prepared. So hopefully, it was nothing along those lines of somebody, you know, doing something that they weren't supposed to be doing. But it doesn't seem that way. But unfortunate, and Alexander Volk- Volkanovsky steps up, and you got to give credit to Islam Mahashev as well, right? I mean, for him to know how close that fight was last time around, and while certainly Volk deserves all the credit for not having a camp, you all it's it's a two sides of the equation. This is every situation. I'm not just saying, especially for Islam. This is any time people take big notice, you know, big time short notice fights like this. I think you got to give them respect for for being willing to do that because that's what we want as fans, right? We want to see these big fights, and we have to understand, especially for these ticket buyers and. And, you know, here it's even different, right, because it's over in Abu Dhabi, and these are not just ticket buyers. These are investors, you know, and they want to see the biggest fights possible um, because they spend a lot of money, right? And, and they want to see certain guys as well. Like, Islam has been on the shelf because he was tagged for this card for a long time ago. So you got to save something and put it together. And I just I love the fact for all parties involved that this thing got done so fast. Now, of course, you know, the media, we're all talking about it. And I think we all have the same thoughts you guys do, right? Which is, damn, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to be robbed of a good fight because we didn't give Alexander Volkanovsky a full camp. And that's a fair concern, a very fair concern, especially because if, if for whatever reason he comes up short this time, that's probably it. Probably not getting a third crack at it, right? So that's it's, it's kind of now or never. 
so, you know, if you're a big Volk fan, or even if you're just a big fan of big fights, right? I mean, you're just, even if it's not even that you have a cheering interest in it, but you just want to see the best possible fights between two of the top pound-for-pound fighters on the planet, and to make sure that you're not getting robbed, and, you know, somebody comes in, it's like, oh, why did we force that? We could have rescheduled it. We could have done it. Get it. I totally get it. But I just don't think it's a concern with Volk. I mean, it's not like, you know, you you were dragging this guy off the couch, and he's like, oh, man, you know, I was just, you know, I've been drinking the last three weeks. and haven't even put a workout in, but, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not Alexander Volkanovsky. He's, he's always training. He's always prepared. And this is a fight that he wants. And this is a fight that he thinks he won the last time around. And it was razor thin. I You know, I scored it for Islam, but just barely so. Just barely, barely so. So I'm excited to see this fight again, um, and, I, and I don't have too many concerns that we're not going to get the fight we deserve. I just think these two guys are the top of the heap right now. And, of course, Islam was getting ready anyway, so there's no concern there. But if you're, if you're concerned from the Volkanovski side, I'm not saying there's no reason to be concerned whatsoever, but I, I just think he's that good and that committed that you can kind of go, nah, it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine, and it's going to be the big rematch, man, and – Oh, I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm I, I hate to say it, but I'm probably more pumped for that fight, right? I mean, who, who, who isn't? I mean, not that we weren't hyped to see Charles Oliveira as well, but I think a lot of people just feel like that's just the wrong style. You know, that's just a style that's not going to work. Now, I, I disagree. I think it's still competitive, but we saw Charles Oliveira get finished. We saw Alexander Volkan, Alexander Volkanovski go 25 minutes of incredibly competitive action. So. More fired up about that, if I'm being honest with you. Um, gutted for Charles Oliveira. Hopefully he heals us soon. You know, maybe it gives him a better opportunity. I know he wasn't necessarily thrilled about having to go back over to Abu Dhabi, so maybe it gives him an opportunity to to, to reschedule it for Brazil sometime or, or somewhere that seems a little bit more fair to his liking. You know, maybe not necessarily Brazil, but at least, you know, Vegas or New York or something like that sometime early next year against the winner. So we'll see. But uh, intriguing fight. We'll, we'll definitely talk about that next week. Not making the trip to Abu Dhabi, but obviously uh, going to be watching it, of course, and, and, and dialed into all the fight week activities just like everybody else. So uh, incredible, incredible main event. And then, as if that shakeup wasn't enough, then you get the second shakeup as well. The Hamza Shemaev will no longer be facing Paulo Costa but who'll be facing Kamaru Usman instead. I mean, <sighs> kind of out of left field, right? I mean, if, if the other one wasn't out of left field enough, now this one's totally crazy, right? I mean, you got two uh, top-ranked welterweights who have been in the mix for, for quite some time. You know, Usman, the former champ at number one. Shemaev, the, the, you know, the, the, the guy that's been on everybody's radar forever. The, the guy with all the hype behind him, but, you know, has struggled to get fights and, you know, visa issues and travel issues and whatever else. Um, and, and now he's going to fight, you know, a year later. And it's going to be against Usman. And you know what? Man, I hate to say this, but I think this is a better fight too. It's, it's a better fight too, I think, because there's just so many question marks around Costa. And I'm not even just talking about – I mean, when you go through his track record, for sure. I mean, the, the you know, okay, the the win over Luke Rockhold that was a little bit wild, maybe wilder than it necessarily should have been. I think that's because Luke Rockhold was in there being a dog and made it fun. 
Um, the weird, weird, weird loss to Marvin Vittori. The weird, weird, weird loss to Israel Adesanya. Um, you know, just not necessarily great performances in, in any of those. And the dude is certainly a killer. No question about it. I mean, he's he's a, a specimen. But he's had these questionable performances. And then it's just all this stuff about the motivation and where he's at and, you know, playing around and et cetera, et cetera. And there's surgery and um, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. I feel like had Hamzat Shemaev won this fight, that people would really not give him any credit for it. Now, if Costa wins, now he's right back in it, right? I told you I was that good. You know, you guys doubted me, and I, I faced the wolf. You know, I faced the guy that nobody wanted, and I beat him. And so it was a big fight for him. But for Shemaev, I think he stands a lot more to gain here in this matchup. You beat the former champion Usman. Now, I guess, you know, if you want to look at question marks again, you can be like, well, here's Usman on short notice. Here's Usman fighting up a division. And that's all fair. I mean, those those would be little caveats that if you were trying to make a case against Shemaev, you could. But I don't think you do. I, I think you go, man, you know, here's Usman stepping in. He's a former champ. We know how great he is. He's been kind of talking about toying with the idea of 185 and – you know, there were catchweight discussions being had and et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and Dana was like, no, you know, we could make it at 185 maybe. But we're not going to do it at catchweight. And, you know, finally it's going to happen. And, you know, short notice, you know, a lot of transportation, but not a big weight cut. So, you know, I, I do think this is a good opportunity for Usman. I think this is a good opportunity for Shemaev. I think there's – I honestly believe Shemaev stands more to game. Maybe I'm wrong in that. Maybe people – I mean, you never know sometimes how the public's going to judge it, but a lot of times you can just see, oh, the excuses are going to be there. You can already see what the criticism is going to be. And here, I don't necessarily feel it will be that way. May, may, again, maybe people will surprise me in retrospect if he wins, but I think this would be a valid win. And certainly, Hamzat is such a um, just an exciting fighter and exciting figure that I think people want to get behind him. I think people want to see him challenge for the title. I think people want to see that fresh blood at the top, you know what I mean? So, you know, he wins this, you know, why not Sean Strickland right away? I mean, Drickus Duplessis, don't know where he stands, but the USC doesn't stand, seem especially excited by his choices that he's made. I don't I don't blame him for them, but, you know, could Shemayev leap the line and, and jump in front of Duplessis? Yeah, <laughs> if we're being honest, I think so. And, I, I mean, honestly – I, I mean, I still think there's more excitement for Drickus Duplessis and Israel Adesanya than there would be for DDP and Strickland. Now, no, from Drickus's standpoint, okay, cool, the fight that the public wants to see me in versus the fight for the title? Well, I'd rather fight for the title, but if they're going to give you title money, I'm not saying you necessarily get the exact contract, but maybe you get, you know, pay me like it's a title fight, and then I get a title fight if I win. That's a pretty solid one-two punch, man. I mean, who wouldn't want to see? I, I think that's the. I mean, that's the play. If if Shemai, and again, got to get through Usman. That's not easy. Usman does have some stylistic tendencies that could be a, a solid test here. He's certainly capable of performing in big situations. He certainly has wrestling skills. Um, all those things. Although Shemai just does seem to be like that next tier of athlete, uh, that new generation. But if he wins, man, why not have Shemai fight for the title and have Izzy and DDP fight in the co-main event? I mean, that's a hell of a one-two punch for a pay-per-view right there. Hell of a one-two punch. Again, I just think that the, the big thing to make that happen is you're going to have to get the money right with Drickus because, you know, 
Drickus wants to fight for the title, and he's he's and he's taking the steps he needs to take along the way. He took the fights you wanted him to take, because um, I mean you because you just. I just think about it. I mean, okay, if you go, all right, well, let's be more fair about this. And this is this is the position the UFC gets in sometimes. I think we forget about it. Is, so let's say, all right, well, that's unfair. Let's be more fair about this. Let's do, and again, we're going to say Hamzat wins. Not saying it's automatic, but, I mean, it's a little different. If Usman's in the mix, now you start getting some different plays around at that point. Although, at that point, maybe you end up with the exact same thing because um, I don't think Izzy and Usman are going to fight, right? I know there's not titles on the line now, but I still don't think they've shown really any indication that they want to take each other out. So maybe you're still kind of stuck with the same thing that um, unless, yeah, I mean, that's that's just what you'd have to do at that point, right? So, but if you were going to go, okay, well, hold on, that's not really fair. It should be Drickus and Strickland because Drickus was supposed to be there. So it should be him. And then you do Adesanya and Shemaev. Okay, those aren't bad fights. It's the same four people. And they're not bad fights, but I just think if you're talking about fan interest, money, you know, selling points, I just don't think it's the right combination of the four people. I think the grudge match means something between Izzy and Trigus, and then Hamzat fighting for the belt means something, you know? Um, <laughs> and I'm sure there'll be some Sean Hamzat banter going into it as well, a couple of crazy dudes, you know, going at it. So that, I, you know, again – the thing is, you're just going to have to give Drickus the right money. And I know he wants to fight for the title, but if if the paycheck is the same or pretty damn close to the same, then what's the what's – the, I mean, I know what the difference is. History, legacy. Once somebody's been a champion, you can't ever take that away from them. And that's all true and fair, but at the end of the day, you're a prize fighter. It's money. So, whew. Man, we'll talk more about it next week. We'll wait till they get back with cold coffee. But, you know, I- I'm watching this thing unfold at the same time you guys are. And I got to say, I don't hate it. I think the UFC did pretty good to scramble on this one, man. I think I think they put together some matchups. They're going to be pretty dang entertaining. Uh, like I said, not making the trip to Abu Dhabi this time. Uh, got a lot of stuff going on coming up. So, staying home for this one. I'll be, uh, I think the only UFC I'm traveling to the rest of the year, going to Madison Square Garden. And then the last pay-per-view is here. So I think that's the only UFC trip. But you may have seen, uh, I'll just throw it out there, CFFC Match Day is finally official, man. I've been, we look, we've been talking about it for a while, so it's not like you didn't know what was going on. Uh, you guys especially knew what was going on. But finally, for it to be out in the open and to be able to talk about it freely instead of, you know, well, we got this thing going and I can kind of talk about it, but I kind of can't. Uh, it's interesting when you're a reporter and you're like, oh, I heard some information. I can talk about it. Uh, then when you're like, well, no, I work for this company, so I am not authorized to talk about this stuff. Uh, but it's pretty exciting. It kicks off on Wednesday, November the 1st in Fort Liberty, North Carolina. Um, the same place we were when we did Battle at Bragg. It used to be called Fort Bragg. Now it's uh, called Fort Liberty. Uh, West Point is going to take on Campbell, and North Carolina State is going to take on uh, Presbyterian College in a duel. Um, pretty, pretty excited about this. Uh, I can tell you. Rob Haydack, of course, the CEO of CFFC, as much as he loves MMA, college wrestling is his absolute passion, man. He loves it, loves it, loves it, uh, was a college wrestler, uh, was a wrestling coach for over a decade, um, and this has been a passion of his to to give Division One college wrestling a, a new platform, um, UFC Fight Pass, you know, and a lot of people I know probably haven't watched a lot of wrestling but man i'm telling you it's a fun sport it's an exciting sport and if you're an mma fan and you're just looking at these athletes just watch watch one of these duels 
we've got nine dates on on the uh, on the calendar. Watch one of these. Just watch one at least, and just see if you don't see a bunch of athletes who could absolutely be successful at MMA if they applied themselves. It's just there is no question about it to me that wrestling is the greatest base from which to start uh, a mixed martial arts career. And I mean these are these are D1 athletes. You know, um, we saw some. Some All-Americans last year when we did the battle at Bragg. Um, and, and it's pretty cool to see that top-level stuff. And, of course, uh, we're going to do top-level production with it. You know the CFSC crew is is uh, hell-bent on making sure that it looks good, it sounds good, that it, you know, is, is uh, that it honors the athletes. You know, I think that's a big part of what we want to do is, is, you know, give these athletes a stage, man, and let them shine on it. You know, and that, that counts even for here, too. So... Uh, some big names involved with it. Shane Sparks is going to be involved. Uh, David Taylor is going to be involved as well. Rob Eider is back as well. Um, still working out uh, my full involvement as well, but I'll be involved. But obviously, I'm more than happy to take a back seat uh, to some of these guys, man. They, they, their history runs deep. Um, so just proud to be a part of it and proud to see this vision come to fruition. Uh, Rob Hadak has had it for a while, and he's been working on it in the background. And it's been a lot of legwork, and it's nice today to see it finally get announced, even though we've been kind of uh, rumbling about it for quite some time. And there's some surprises along the way that I think are going to be pretty cool. Again, uh, not that I can talk about just now, but as soon as I can, I will. But some pretty cool little plans along the way that weren't necessarily in the press release. Um, I mean, we did have the, the, the graphics have gone out. You'll see the full schedule, but we still got some cool venues to announce and some some cool plans to announce. So, uh, anyway, just happy to see that all get out there. Uh, if you're a fan of college wrestling, uh, just know that we're going to take that same level of passion that we have for MMA, that we have for submission grappling, and we're going to apply it to college wrestling as well. And, and we're going to try to put the absolute best forward, you know, best product forward that we can uh, and know that, man, this is a, an absolute passion project for Rob Hadak, man. He, he has been wanting for this to come to fruition for a long time. Uh, even the graphics look cool, man. I love the little graphics that came together. CFFC Match Day, if you've seen that on the uh, on, on the social media channels, um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see. There's some there's some cool stuff along the way. So happy that that's finally out there. And um, yeah, now now if you've seen the schedule, you've seen uh, kind of kind of why uh, everything is going to be so busy for me in the fall because we got a lot going on and and there's still. So there's still some things in the CFFC schedule uh, that we haven't even announced yet. But you can see, like, for instance, um, you know, we're official for – for uh, oh, wait. Where are we okay, we have <laughs> – let's like, make sure we announce that. So we've got wrestling on November 1st, MMA on November 3rd, and wrestling on November 5th, for instance. So there's, like, little stretches like that along the way that I'm so excited about um, but, but that are going to be really busy. So uh, was glad to see that, that get out there. So uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, oh, you know what I meant to say about, you know, just kidding me, USC 294. Um, sorry, I meant to say this. We were talking about the lightweight fight. I'm sure a lot of people are kind of bummed for Matos Gamrot. Um, and I am too, you know. Uh, <laughs> hopefully he didn't shoot himself in the foot. He's, Dana White did not seem happy the other night when we asked if Matos was the backup. He's like, how how would he announce it? I'm like, he did an interview. But Matos is still going to serve as the backup. Um and, and you know, but but he was always there for an emergency situation. You know, what I mean, this this 
was pretty much an emergency situation, but there was a little bit of time to plan for it, right? So because there was a little bit of time to scramble, I mean, a day or two later, and you're probably running out of time, and now you're just going with Matosh. Uh, so maybe he's kind of frustrated a little bit and, and saying, dang, another 24, 48 hours, something like that, I'd have probably been the only uh, only option. Um, but I don't think he slides back any, and, and uh, you know, again, no disrespect. You know, Volkanovski says, no, you know, we'd already heard – Gaethje was offered, Poirier was offered. Uh, saw Poirier today, actually, man. He was he was in there grinding, man. I, I don't think I've ever been inside of uh, American Top Team and not seen him there at practice and, and putting in his work. Um, but I think this was the move to make. And that's no disrespect to Mitosh Gamrot, but you're talking about a pay-per-view headliner. You're talking about Abu Dhabi, uh, you know, the, the investment partners, all those things. And I think you really do have to factor in all that. So um, feel bad for him, but, you know. I, I think this was the right call by the USC. I, I really do. Um, and it's not the only news in the Middle East, right? I mean, the news comes out today as well that the USC is doing an event in Saudi Arabia in March, um, the first one for the company, and, and it's kind of on the heels of this merging of the UFC and, and WWE into the TKO brand. And, of course, WWE has been over there for a couple of years. It's interesting, right, because I'm with uh, the, the PFL staff, uh, here in Florida doing these gym visits. And, and you kind of want to pick their brain a little bit, but you know they can only say so much about how they're feeling. But I do wonder how, you know, and, 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 and the people that are here, are, you know, their operations, but not necessarily the brass. They're not here, obviously. They're they're back at the headquarters. But um, it will certainly be worth talking to PFL brass in November when we're at the finals about what they think about this, right? Because we talked about before that, you know, I didn't necessarily see that, hey, Saudi Arabia is going to open up the wallet and they're just going to fund the heck out of PFL and, you know, they're going to go chase after the UFC. But we said they could if they wanted to because they can, right? I mean, we've seen it with, with Live Golf where there was, you know, never really any intention of making it profitable and there was never even a, a need to do that. But they put so much pressure on that they ended up, merging with the PGA Tour. I mean, that did not take very long to essentially assimilate with the biggest power on the planet. And I think it'd take a little bit longer uh, with mixed martial arts and the UFC. Maybe I'm wrong in that. But the bottom line is, had they decided they were just going to pour in billions, they can. But instead, they're going to host a UFC event. And that's interesting. Because, truthfully, Saudi Arabia could still fund the PFL very well. Uh, you know, they intend on setting up a, a PFL Middle East League. Uh, I think it'll, they'll call it the MENA region, uh, Middle East, Northern Africa. Um, I don't know if they'll call it that, but I know that's what they refer to it geographically behind the scenes. The UFC uh, refers to it the same way. Um, and they could still do that and still bring over the UFC as like, Hey, here's the marquee brand. This is the the global brand that you know. But we also have this. That's our version of, you know, that and and you know maybe catch people's interest. But I don't know. That's interesting, right? I mean, are you gonna pay to bring in the UFC? Because I'm sure they're paying a nice site fee. I'm sure they're I'm sure they're paying very well to have the organization over there, which means they'll probably, you know, want. Very talented names as well. But, you know, I don't know. <coughs> Excuse me. I didn't see if it's necessarily promised as a pay-per-view. I remember when the Abu Dhabi announcement went out. I had never seen that before where it was, 
you know, it was promised to have multiple title fights. Now, you see UFC 294 doesn't have multiple title fights on it. So, you know, I guess there must be a clause, like, to the best of their interest. Um, but the press release originally said, like, every every fight would be guaranteed to have two title fights on it. So, um, you know, it, what the Saudi Arabia deal is going to be, I don't know. Does that mean it'll they want pay-per-views and they want pay-per-view cards and they want title fights? I bet they do. I mean, what, look at what they're doing with boxing. Look at what they're doing with – with WWE, right? They're not just bringing over like, hey, let's just have some fights. It's like, no, let's bring over the biggest fights in the world and let's put them on here. Um, I got to think that's what they're going to do. But now just a big question remains, what do they do with PFL? Now, you know, they've already committed the money to PFL. So they, they've already got at least, you know, a couple years commitment in this. And they've already committed to building the, the PFL mean and region. Um, but does this change anything from the PFL perspective in terms of, what they're expecting out of the deal or how much they think this can move them forward or what they think it can uh, fuel them to do or what their overall plans are. Is it, was this a curveball to them? Did they know all along? Oh yeah, you know, we, you know, I, you know, they're never going to admit to it. No, nobody from the PFL is ever going to say, yeah, we were a little shocked and hurt that they elected to bring over the UFC. You know, we thought we had a solid business relationship with them. And then we see this, nobody's ever going to say that. So you'll have to read between the lines when you talk to them. And just try to get a feel for, you know, are they just business speaking around this thing and saying that they're okay with something they're not? Or, you know, do they really see a rising tide raises all ships type situation? I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in it, though. But it is interesting that, you know, Saudi Arabia, again, vast amounts of money to work with. So it's not as if they're budget constraints. But to be paying for the UFC to come, while you're simultaneously investing in the PFL is a weird long-term strategy. And I can't imagine it is a long-term strategy. I got to think that at one point you're back in one or the other. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe those pockets are so deep that they don't, again, that they see a situation where it makes sense to have the USC and it makes sense to have the PFL. You know, the PFL does have a unique system in that, because they set up these regional leagues and because they show those things in prime time, you know, these fighters do have a more direct path to the global roster. It is a product that's happening in prime time versus, you know, yes, the Saudi Arabia events, I'm sure, will happen in prime time there, but the rest of the year it doesn't. So the rest of the year it's hard for them to be fans because things are on in the middle of the night. So maybe it does make sense for them to have both brands as part of the portfolio, so to speak. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. So much going on. So much going on. Ben, how about, um, man, even just watching the, the, the Dana White uh, the, the Dana White scrum the other night, and I was saying that, you know, I was going to try to reach out to, to, to Dana uh, uh, to talk to him about his sphere experience to find out what he thinks. Because, you, know, I, I, you know, after I saw it, I, I talked about it on the and a half episode. Um, I have some question marks about the sphere, about the viability of it. Um, from a mixed martial arts perspective. Now, those of you that support us over on patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow, uh, you will have already heard this. I'll keep it brief for everybody that hasn't. Uh, the sphere that I went to last Friday night, I went the night before Dana went, and it's amazing. This venue is, I mean, technologically savvy, visually super cool. I mean, you can imagine what the outside looks like. Obviously, you know what I mean. You've seen it. So you can imagine what the inside looks like as well. And it is stunning when you come in. Really cool visuals as you're in there. You got these robots, you got these holograms, you got all this stuff, and then you go into the to the venue itself, and it's 
I mean, it's 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 like nothing you've ever been in before. The sound is unbelievable. The scale of it is huge. The 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 size of the screen is so big that if you're looking just dead center, if you've got your gaze dead center in the middle of that sphere, you literally can see nothing else out of your peripherals because the screen is so massive. It's just from left to right, from top to bottom, it's just, it's huge. Now, here were my concerns. Now, I sat in the cheap seats. I sat in the 400s. Um, I was late to the party buying tickets because initially I wasn't going to buy tickets. We went to Postcards from the Edge, which is like this movie-type experience uh, because I, I wasn't going to buy you two tickets just because my wife and kid don't really know you know you two songs it's they're not fans so i thought well 500 bucks a seat that's that's a little expensive just to go check out a venue uh, which i'm sure they would have enjoyed the show but they don't know the music i'm like i don't know man like when you pay service fees now it's about two grand for the family to go see a band that maybe you end up liking maybe you don't a little a little steep for my blood a little rich for me so decided to go the route of the postcards from the edge we went the very first night I, I you know the good tickets were already sold but i was like damn it i'm going the first night and it made sense too because it was like the friday night uh before a saturday um a saturday event in las vegas so like i knew i wasn't going to be traveling so anyway we went to it but i had to sit in the cheap seats because that's all it was available now i i will say from scale uh, from where i was sitting it was hard for me to see. It's a you know it's, it's a sphere, and then you know it's kind of amphitheater seating. I'm sure you've seen some photos or video by now. My biggest concerns: number one, the the just the floor space itself. Um, the floor space itself, I wasn't sure it was big enough. Now again, this is a big building, and your perspective is weird because it's round and the sizes, and I don't know. But I look down there, and I'm like, I'm not sure that's really big enough to get the octagon and all the you know scaffolding not scaffolding but you know you put the frame around it and you got the jib cameras and you got you know there's just a, a lot of structure that goes around the octagon as well and I was like I don't know if it's big enough to host it but again I'm, I'm not sure I, it, I, my perspective was a little off I was way away we were way up top in this building the scale of it's it's weird um now the 400 section is one of my concerns as well the 400, it's steep. When you get in there, you get vertigo. It's crazy, man. It's this weird experience. You feel like you're going to fall. And it wasn't just me. It was everybody around us. We were all just kind of laughing. It's like, why does it make you feel this way? And I don't know if it's something about forced perspective of the angles or what it is, but you feel like you're about to fall over, Like especially if you're walking by people in the rows. Like, oh, my God, it feels like you're about to fall over. It's bizarre. Um, but you get over it really quick, uh, so it's not, like, super scary. But it is steep. They've, they've got it because of the way it's slanted. Um, and I guess it's, you know, they want to make sure the sight lines are completely visible and all that. Um, and they've done a fine job with that. But it's so steep up there, they don't let you stand up. At least not during during the movie, it wasn't a big deal. But I know, like, I've, I've read complaints during the U2 concerts that people are pissed off because they make them sit down. And they're like, I'm here to watch a rock concert, and you're making me sit down? Like, what? Um, which I get. But it's for safety because, like, you could just, like roll down the stairs and fall off right um in fact we actually as we were leaving we saw a lady fall i didn't actually see it but we saw the aftermath of her laying on the ground and they had to get paramedics over there to her um so take that into a ufc audience that's you know slamming frosty beverages uh for six and a half hours and i don't know how much success you're going to be have getting them to sit down the whole time and, and then i hope that you wouldn't have any accidents of people falling so that concerns me that's just a safety thing and that would never, I wouldn't think, prevent anybody from doing a show there, but it's something to think about. But the last thing is just the screen is so massive. Like, I don't even know what you're going to, I mean, 
you cannot un- understand it until you've been in there. But, I mean, you could do, like, multiple screens of, you know, replay action plus live stats plus a social media feed plus I, I don't even know. I mean, you could have both corner cams up there. You could have every – I mean, you could potentially have every camera angle – that is being shot up on the screen at one time, and it would still be like, I mean, it's 16K. It's so high def. Some of the coolest things that I I thought during the postcards from Earth were like they'd shoot like bugs, like a little tiny-ass bug, and now it's blown up to like 30 feet across on this massive screen, and yet it's crystal clear. You could see like hairs of insects you know what i mean like it's that kind of definition it's like the highest resolution microscope or something so i mean until you experience it like just words don't do it justice but but, i mean it's going to have to be custom designed from scratch like you cannot take existing graphics packages existing presentation packages that the usc has and just say well we'll port it over there you know like every arena is like a little bit different they have a little bit different video board here a little bit different video board there so you know okay you move it over you're not gonna be able to do that like somebody and maybe multiple somebodies are are going to have to spend a significant amount of time designing the show to maximize what's being used there I read an article, and I think I've mentioned this before, but I read an article where, like, the U2 tour director said that, um, you know, the, the, nobody's going to be able to do this fear for a one-off show. You're going to have to do a residency because it takes so long to design. Like, you're not going to want to do it for one show. Now, if the USC is going back there annually, then they're not doing it for one show. They're doing it for, you know, perpetuity, and they can just update it a little bit each time. Um, but that concerned me. But I'm telling you, if you Dana – you know when he's hell-bent on something, and, and I talked to him a little bit after the press conference last night. Um, he wants to make this happen. And I do think it's one of those things, and, and I think he was just straight up about it, right? Where it's like, I'm not trying to do this to be profitable. I'm not trying to do this to make money. Like, we probably won't make money on it. But when you have a venue this iconic, you know, this revolutionary in our backyard, and we're one of the top you know, you know, companies in the in in the sporting environment or live entertainment environment, like you have to do it. And I agree with them. If you can swing it, I think you do it. You find a way, even if it doesn't make money, it makes history. You know what I mean? And the PR that it generates, and the buzz that it generates, and the the headlines that it gets. You know, the first live sport, the first combat sport, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. It's just it's going to be an undertaking. Like. I think he said that uh, the production team is going to a show this weekend uh, at the Sphere to start, you know, kind of trying to map out how you make it happen. So uh, intriguing, man. I was I was intrigued by how fired up he was because, of course, you know, he said that night, that Saturday night, that he was going with Tom Brady, and I was like, I'm really curious once he gets in the building if he's gonna be like. There's, I, I kind of thought it would be like he is because it's such a. It's such a, an overwhelmingly cool and, and tech-forward type situation that I kind of understood, uh, or I kind of anticipated, I should say, that he was going to come back being like, yeah, we're going to figure this out. I mean, that's Dana, right? We're going to figure out how to, how to do this. This thing is too cool, and we want to be cool, and we are cool, and we're going to find a way to do this, come hell or high water, whatever it takes. Uh, and I think, that's, I think that's what happened. But I did wonder if once he got in there, he'd be like, oh, wait a minute. 
I don't know. And and hey, now listen, I can tell you right now, people do not like to tell Dana White no in that company, right? When Dana says we're doing something, nobody likes to be the one to tell him we can't. And I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to be one to tell him they can't here. But maybe the people that actually have to do the execution of the event, you know, not just from a 30,000-foot perspective, but they're the ones that actually have to draw up everything. Maybe they come back to them and say, look, man, I get it. It's cool. It's badass. It's not practical for us. I don't know how we do this. Um, I have a feeling that Dana's going to, if he, if they do, that Dana's going to say, well, you better figure it out because we're doing it. <laughs> That's kind of what I anticipate. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. But tr- trust me, sign me up. I'll be there. The venue the venue is super, super cool. So, uh, all right, listen. Um, so, like I said, I'm going to uh, – we had the we had the gym visits today. Good gym visits. Talk with Kayla Harrison first. Man, she I think she had like a half hour scrum. Really good spirits, man. You know, after a year, um, you know, a year away, the loss last time out, you kind of wondered what her spirits were going to be, what her energy levels like. You know, she had gotten, and she kind of admitted she'd gotten kind of burned out, and you could really feel it physically and mentally, man. Before that loss, she was burned out, and um. You never say that a loss is good. You know, she even said, like, somebody was like, well, did it take some of the pressure off? Did you find it relieving? She's like, hell no. I don't want to leave. Like, I don't want to lose. She's she's a – I want relief. Like, she's a competitor. She's like, I want this pressure. I brought that pressure on myself. I wanted it. Um, but she was in good spirits, really, really good spirits. And um, I'm anxious to see the fight with Julie Blood. I'm anxious to see what goes forward. She She made it clear right away. She did not want to talk about her contractual situation. She made it clear right away um, that she wasn't going to talk about, you know, she even, she even uh, referred to Cyborg as she who shall not be named, although she clarified real quick. I'm, she's like, I'm not trying to be silly. She's like, okay, we're just watching a lot of uh, a lot of Harry Potter, so I'm into the Voldemort thing right now. So uh, just she was just being silly. Um, but she did say, look, I don't want to talk about Larissa Pacheco. I don't want to talk about Cyborg. I don't want to talk about a season. I'm focused on Julia Budd, and that's that. So she was in good spirits. I'm anxious to see her return. I'm anxious to see what happens w- with with her next year. You know, this is going to be at 45. So is that going to be, um, you know, is she going to be in a season next year? She didn't seem to rule it out. Um, but she didn't say that she definitely was. So we'll see. I'm anxious to see that. Josh Silvera was there. Uh, good spirits as always, no question about it. I thought he had a great quote. You know, he, he was like, uh, of course, obviously the son of, of Conan Silvera there at ATT, but he just said, listen, man, uh, more than the million dollars, like more than the belt. Cause I asked him what it would mean to, to add a belt. Cause I, you know, I, I took a picture and put it on social media. They're doing a little construction up there right now. So I only took one, a picture of one side of it, but, um, just that trophy case, every time you see it is unbelievable. You know, all the belts from all the different organizations, man, it's super cool. And I was like, what would it mean for you to, to be able to add a belt? And he was like, man, that would be awesome. You know, obviously to be a part of the history here would be amazing. You know, my dad, I've you know, been a part of it forever. But he was like, what's more important to me is getting my picture up on the wall. You know, they have these huge photos, you know, around the gym of, of the icons of American top team, you know, that are hanging in the rafters because this is massive building. Um, and, and he said that he always messes with Dan Lambert about it. You know, like, when are you going to get mine up there? So they think Stan and Conan are a little bit harder on him, you know, that he's got to do something a little extra special to get up there, and, and I believe it. So 
uh, you know, he said, I think it'd be even more for me to get my photo hung up there. You know, my dad's a coach here, but to get my picture hung in the banners uh, and the rafters up there would be pretty cool. So I thought that was neat. Uh, Hennifer Header was there as well. He's taking on Dennis Goltsoff. Uh, and if I had a, uh, you know, interesting run, lost his debut uh, fight this season. Uh, it was overturned. He makes it to the playoffs. He, he has a couple finishes, and he's in the finals against Dennis Goldsoff. These two dudes are huge. They're finishers. I don't see that one going past one round. Uh, I think something happens fast there. So looking forward to that one. Uh, and, of course, again, so we had the issue with, with Magomed and Magomed Karamov, the, the uh, timing issue with his translator. Um, like I said, I am I am excited for that one with the history with Sadabusi as well. And, of course, we made our way over to uh, Killcliffe uh, to go talk to Impa Kasanganai as well, who, who again, just a, an amazing story. So, appreciate that. Tomorrow I will fly to Tampa because we have CFFC 126 on Friday night. Uh, CM Punk is going to be there. So, if you got an opportunity to watch us on USC Fight Pass, I certainly would appreciate that. I imagine we'll be talking about uh, some of the wrestling news that was made. And uh, I don't know if we've got any other further announcements as well. We've... We've got some other cards. It's just I don't know when we can talk about them all. So, but we do. Uh, but we got we got a great main event. Vilson Indrajoni uh, is back against Tariq Ishmael. Uh, Vilson Indrajoni, of course, you remember. Uh, if you're a hardcore CFSC fan, you know he lost his title at the scale last time out. Was overweight. Uh, we actually do allow one pound allowances in uh, CFSC, uh, even for title fights. We allow the one pound allowance just because it's like you know, look, man. We get it. Developmental promotion, like you know, let let them, you know, let them get have that extra pound for now. You know, let let them worry about that when they get to the higher level. Same reason we do the four plus one format for title fights. That if you know it's if it's four four to nothing or three to one after four rounds, we don't go to the fifth round because it's like man, it's those wars, you know, that, that really take it out of you. Let's let's wait till they're making the big money before they have to go the full twenty five. Um, but anyway, Dilson Joni's back. Um. You know, important for him, he said, to make a statement here and to to prove that he is the champ. Um, actually told me, you know, I don't know if it'll happen, but he told me he wants to make 135 on, at the scales on Thursday just to prove a point. Not 136. He gets it. Uh, he was 136.8 last time, and he said he was a little confused because when he left his house, uh, he was good on his scale, but the official scale didn't – he wasn't good on it. Um, but he was also supposed to come to the hotel – the day before and check it and he didn't because he wanted to be home for an extra day and he's like that was my fault I screwed up that was not a good choice of mine and so uh, I would not do that but he is he, he he really wants to make a statement he's a proud Albanian uh he wants to join Dennis Bazookia in the in the UFC and represent their nation so he's looking to get a win meanwhile Tariq Ishmael uh 7-1 record tri-star MMA product um uh, man a few words I interviewed him ahead of time and uh he, I'll be honest with you, he didn't really want to talk to me much. He didn't have a whole lot to say to me. Uh, but, you know, he's he's, he's a veteran and 7-1 record and, and uh, Muay Thai experience as well. And he's like, man, I want to come out and, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna show everybody I deserve to be there. So uh, that's our main event. Uh, Will Rince is in the co-main event. He's always been exciting every time we've had him out there. He's facing a late replacement in Chris Alvidres. Uh, Morquez Forrest is back. Uh, C.J. Lafragola is back, so a couple of undefeated prospects there. Uh, Cedric Gunnison and Julio Cesar Chavez uh, are going at it. Uh, obviously, you got to love the name Julio Cesar Chavez. Uh, and then Brandon Lopez is back against Jesus Hernandez. So it should be a fun main card. Uh, prelims, I believe, 7 p.m. Eastern on uh, on OnlyFans. And the main card, 9 p.m. Eastern on USC Fight Pass. So that'll be 
Friday night. So appreciate everybody that wants to to join in. Please give us a give us a shout, give us a look. We certainly would appreciate it. Uh, and then I will jump on a plane, fly back on Saturday for USC Fight Night 2:30. Uh, did not get to take part, of course, in the in the festivities today for Media Day. Um, but I do love the main event. Um, obviously, man, Sadiq Yusuf, Edson Barbosa. My goodness, that could be an absolute firecracker of a fight. I'm looking forward to that one. Jennifer Maya and Vivian Arujo, a couple of ranked women's flyways. Jonathan Martinez versus Adrian Yanez. Uh, this could be fireworks as well. Um, had a chance to speak to Yanez um, about the fight. And, uh, man, you know, just the loss that he had, the setback and, and everything. And uh, He's always a great interview. And, and he was actually telling me a funny story where him and Jonathan Martinez – uh, kind of met each other at International Fight Week and, and kind of hit it off and really liked each other. And I guess uh, Yanez ran into to Mark Mantoya uh, at, at a uh, at, at a Fury FC event and and was like, hey, I like Jonathan, man. I, you know, and, and, you know, enjoyed hanging out with him. And, and, uh, and, and I guess Montoya was like, well, you know what happens, right? And, and they were like, what do you mean? He was like, well, when you end up liking somebody in your division, they probably make you fight next. It just seems to be the way it works. And wouldn't you know it, get the call on their fighting decks. But, you know, Martinez, obviously a long-time roadshow favorite, shy as can be, quiet-spoken, but can absolutely scrap. And, of course, Giannis can scrap as well. So, love to see that. Andre Petrosky stepped in on short notice to face Michelle Pajera. So, that's a big one as well. Edgar Chires and Daniel Lacerda uh, resuming that one. Christian Rodriguez is on there against Cameron Simon. So, a lot of – Darren Elkins versus TJ Brown. That could be a lot of fun. Uh, enjoyed talking to TJ Brown uh, prior to the fight as well. Uh, not sure if you saw that interview, but you know, he was talking about being more than 130 days sober and um, how much different it is for him. And, you know, just talked about the fact that he did it not only to, to reach his full potential as a fighter, but as a father as well. You know, it felt like he just was kind of not doing everything that he could be. And, um, hey, I can relate to that. I, I, I understand the sentiment. Um, and, and he's made the change and he's like, and, and now he wants to stand there and, um, you know, he says he's, he's hoping he wins. Um, obviously I'm never going to cheer against Darren Elkins, man. I love the damage, but he says he's hoping he wins so that he can really, uh, use his platform as a spotlight to speak out on, on, on addiction and recovery and mental health and just, you know, that's okay to ask for help out there. And, and I, I think that's awesome, man. I know sometimes maybe everybody doesn't like to talk about that stuff, but, um, Man, we all go through anxiety and stresses, you know what I mean? Like, oh, man, my whole, you know, career path changes. Um, you know, so far everything's been working out very well, but it's scary, you know what I mean? And knowing I got to provide for a family and, and, and while I make these changes, chasing things that I love, that's not easy to do, you know? And I've had I've had stressful nights where I'm like, man, am I doing the right thing here? Am I, am I, am I screwing up? Am I being selfish by doing this? Am I doing something else, you know, and just – um, but I, you know, knowing that these guys, and it's something that I've always loved about the sport, you know, is, is, uh, and I think it's one reason I've always been drawn to it is that to a man and a woman, nobody on the roster will try to pretend like they don't get scared. They do, but they overcome their fears, uh, and, 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 and they address them. You know, I think, uh, I remember it was George St. Pierre and I don't know, I, I'm sure this, somebody said it before him, but I, I remember George St. Pierre used to always have that phrase coined where it's like, uh, you know, you have the butterflies in your stomach, but when you get the butterflies to fly in formation, 
you know, that's when that's when you do it right. You 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 take control of that anxiety, you take control of those nerves, uh, and you use them as drive and motivation for you. And um, obviously, stepping into a cage fight versus making life decisions, uh, two totally different types of stresses, uh, but mental health nonetheless. And I think it's important to, to talk about. So um, enjoy that conversation with TJ Brown, man. I, I really did. So uh, check that out on the MMA Roadshow YouTube page. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to do it. But uh, while that is an all-too-quick rundown on uh, on my, my thoughts on the card, somebody that was there today, uh, although I, th- I noticed their media day was pretty short. I think they only had like eight fighters. Sometimes we had like 14, um, but I don't think they had like eight. So uh, somebody that was there that could tell you about some of the things that happened in the room, uh, Mr. Cold Coffee. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate the, that setup. And, uh, yeah, since, uh, it, you know, as things happen and John taped this earlier, uh, by the time I got back from the media day, which I'll talk to you about in a second, there's been some crazy news of USADA coming out and releasing a statement saying that their, uh, relationship with the UFC is going to be done as of the end of this year. Um, and kind of throws in some speculation too that. It seems that, uh, the UFC did not, was not happy with them holding their stance on Connor, um, not doing the six months, you know, Connor's, uh, they've been saying how Connor entered back into the pool. I don't think that, uh, you know, as far as I heard, he just entered the paperwork. He hasn't done any sort of testing. They were waiting for some time on that. Um, but, um, you know, uh, my initial thoughts are, are, are good for them for standing up for their, their principles. I mean, that's the kind of thing we, we thought that the UFC wanted. They wanted an independent party off to the side doing these, uh, this third party testing, and uh, they try to stick to their guns. And, you know, in the past when the U- UFCs always sort of alluded to the fact that things were um, USADA's um, directive, you know, and it was USADA's decision why they would do so. Um, of course, you know, I guess if you have your biggest cash cow and especially with the way some crazy stuff had just recently been happening, um, maybe they weren't too happy that uh, they couldn't get USADA to balk and give an immediate ex- exception exemption if that's the case in case they want to try to use them for this thing. So um, kudos to USADA for sticking to their guns, um, but um, not surprised, not surprised uh, by any means. Um that uh, UFC did what they did. Um, doesn't mean that they're going to stop doing testing. Maybe they'll um, work with a different organization. Or maybe Jeff Nowitzki now will head up their own internal <laughs> testing that will work with just commissions. And work with the commissions of whatever city that they're going to. Um, ultimately, the commission does their own testing as well. has just been doing the testing sort of in and around um you know, the fighting as well. So, um, you know, ultimately, I guess if the commission sign off on the testings that they do during that fight week, when they see them, I guess maybe that's going to be enough. Who knows? Um, I, I thought the UFC was doing a good thing by having that uh, program happening, but, um, be interesting to see. So, um, just wanted to address that before we hopped into these things, before I start talking about this, uh, um, this week's uh, media day, just so you know that we did sort of address it. And I'm sure John will give his take on it um, in the and a half show. But um, that's the nature of these things. You know, sometimes you tape and then uh, shit happens afterwards. So I just want to at least initially address that and uh, say that the USADA and UFC relationship is now over. Maybe they'll use that Russian organization that seems to always allow all their uh, <laughs> athletes to pass until they get uh, tested by Olympic committees. So who knows? Maybe uh, Maybe they're available. Um, that's Vidanya, comrade. Uh, I don't even know if that's Russian, 
But um, going to this uh, media day, um, UFC Fight Night, Yusuf versus Barbosa, UFC Fight Night 300, or UFC Vegas 81, if you will. Um, pretty uh, small, small crowd in there. Uh, a lot of people, you know, kind of like John, were off in different other areas covering other little parts. And ultimately, man, it's been a, it's been a crazy run of uh, Tuesday nights and then the weekend, Tuesday nights, and then the weekend. So uh, there wasn't as many of a turnout uh, in there, but uh, light day in the in the terms of only eight uh, athletes, usually and something like that, you know, especially with there being six fights on the main card. I thought we at least would get 12. And then lately, sometimes they've been bringing the uh, pre, uh, featured prelim, which in this case would be Darren Elkins and TJ Brown. They thought that maybe they would bring that, so uh, they didn't. Um, we kind of got out of there, I think, only about 45 minutes late, so it wasn't too bad. Um, but it was a, ultimately a decent day. Um, I, it's definitely, in my opinion, one of these cards where uh, the fighters are fighting to maintain their positions in the top 15, You know, maybe trying to work towards that top five, You know, trying to earn their, their keep. So some, definitely some key matchups. Sadiq Yusuf and Edson Barbosa, both guys came in looking great, um, had uh, were in great spirits, lots of respect for each other. You know, this is a fight that Sadiq wanted um, for quite some time. Um, he sees Edson as one of these, the one of the last OGs that are still around and in the game and somebody that he wanted to challenge himself with. And I think that definitely a challenge is what it's going to be. Um, in my staff picks, you know, to, to be completely honest, I'm trying to get some picks back. So I went with... Uh, Barboza in this one because a lot of the rest of the staff are actually leaning on Sadiq Yusuf and that's probably the smarter play and I'll be surprised if I don't make a switch to that there's just something about Edson and the way he's able to pull some things out I think this is definitely one of those fights where both guys are going to want to strike and definitely throw some hands y Yusuf definitely has ability um, to get the fight to the ground and really uh, imposes his will on the ground but I also think there's something in his mind that he wants to get that knockout he wants to get a finish of Edson Barboza you know to kind of hang that on the on his wall as a as a point of pride i think in that instance it does set up the possibility of barbos can maybe get us one of these crazy hits um you know the crazy spinning back hits that like knocked out terry adam or some of these other ones where he just finishes guys by the strikes to their legs and just wears them down it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be uh fun i think it's gonna be a great fight but yeah both guys looked in really really good spirits we're very humble neither one of these guys are going to talk junk about each other in fact they were both very very respectful so very very interesting um fight that i think we're going to see and um i think that's going to be a, a really really great headliner for that night going to below that uh jennifer maya and Viv viviani araujo i believe that's how you say her name um, again, Araujo is coming in here, you know, on two losses. I think she's really trying to come back and get on the right way. I think this is a perfect fight for her to do that. Um, Jennifer Maya, while higher in the rankings, I just don't think she has the striking to, um, you know, if it, if it stays in a striking battle, I don't think she's got the striking to kind of wear, uh, to get the better of, Viviani, but um, you never know. I mean, she's she pulls some good ones out. She's got a great personality. She was in there. It was really, it was really pretty adorable. She was really trying to work her English. So most of the answers, while they would get asked to her in Portuguese, she was answering in um, English. The only ones that she really didn't, when she was asked to give a breakdown, I can't I can't remember which fight she was asked to break down. That one, she she of course wanted to say it in Portuguese. And our man and friend Alex Davis was stepping in and helped on uh, do some um, translations today. So that was really fun to, to see Alex in there doing that. But um, 
Again, both fighters looked in good shape, looked happy, uh, didn't look like there was going to be any sort of weight issues coming in for their flyweight bout. So that should be a really, really lot of fun. And again, this is one of those fights really trying to maintain or earn and keep that spot in the top 10 division. So if Jennifer, she keeps riding the wave, you know, uh, a win over number 11, while doesn't that, does that propel her forward? No, but, you know, uh, a good performance and, you know, a, a nice finish would probably do wonders to kind of keep her name moving in that right direction and earn some uh, momentum forward. Um, <laughs> going to the next fight, Jonathan Martinez, of course, this was a very, very short interview. Um, for those, most of us that know that he does not like to talk up there, um, you know, kind of left him alone, didn't really ask. And some of the other guys just kind of gave him some fun little questions to chat. He was more very, very excited. He was in town the night before, watched some of his teammates uh, go out there and earn UFC contracts. So he was very animated. It was good to see him um, lighten up and have a good time with that. Yanez wants to get back in there. You know, he wants to get back on the winning track after losing against Rob Font. He was real honest and open about some of the things that he saw that he did wrong in that fight and, you know, wanted to get back to basics. You know, he realized that, he really sort of not only let his guard down, there were certain shots where, you know, he lost his composure. And in those moments of losing some composure, you know, maybe his guards were a little bit down and, he, and his chin was a little bit more available than uh, than other times. And that's how he was able to get finished. Um, but he, he really hunkered down in this camp, you know, was really working on his basics. I mean, the guy's got great striking. He's got great boxing. And, and Fawn as well has great striking as well. I mean, two of the probably the best strikers uh, when it comes to looking at uh, MMA fighters that have, like, boxing skills. Two of the best probably out there doing it. Um, but Yanez looks like he's, he's reinvigorated. He's got his mind right. Um, I'm looking forward to a really, really good fight. I think he's going to, I picked him over Martinez, um, in the rankings. The UFC's got him 13th, Adrian Yanez. I'm sorry, Adrian Yanez, even though they haven't fixed it yet, they haven't put that little Enye, uh, on there. So I, I don't know if that, is it called an Enye? Is the symbol an Enye or is it just an Enye when it's got the symbol and an N? I know a tilde is something. I don't know if that's the tilde and then that makes it an Enye. I have no clue, but uh, he uh, in that interview that he did with um, Alex Behunin says that his name is actually Adrian Yanez. So we'll see if uh, whoever's doing the call on Saturday honors that and says Adrian Yanez. But that should be a good banger. Um, and then lastly, the last group of guys coming in there: Andre Petrosky, uh, John Morgan's uh, partner in crime on a lot of these uh, fill-in shows or CFFC shows when. Uh, 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 CM Punk's been gone. Andre's filled in on a couple of those ones, or maybe it was just the grappling shows. I can't quite remember. But um, again, two guys that look in uh, good spirits. Um, uh, this is a move up for Pahea. Last time we tried seeing him, had that weight issue against uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and that uh, missed weight. And then this is now feels better. He says that his strength's there. He says he has crazy energy. He admitted that he had been dropping roughly. Um, when Diego, um, who was doing some of the translation, Diego Ribas, uh, did the math, roughly like about 40 to 45 pounds is typically what he's had to been cutting for these cuts down to welterweight, which is absolutely insane. And I think why we saw some of the struggles and why we saw some cardio issues as the fights went on. But in middleweight and at this current weight, he says he's fighting closer to what he normally trains at. So there's not any there's not going to be any crazy depletion when it gets actually the fight day. Um, says that his power is good, says his energy is good. Um, so it's, it's, I'm excited to see how he, how he's going to come out there, you know, 
because he's he's always kind of jumping around with crazy energy and and he it gives off a lot of energy he wastes a lot of energy in his movements and stuff but if he's not having to do that crazy cut and he's able to kind of do that stuff throughout a fight it's going to be pretty explosive and uh he says he's been training for five round fights so a three round fight should be no real big deal that being said Andre is a crazy has crazy wrestling skills. He's got good hands as well, but man, when he gets a hold of me, his his ground game is just sick and ridiculous. And that's gonna wear a lot of strength out, depending on how he's able to sort of dominate and dictate where the fight goes. If it stays striking, I might give the striking edge to on uh to Michelle uh Pajera, but ultimately uh I think Petrosky's got the right skill set to make this work. And I think I picked him in my staff picks. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I think I did lean towards him uh, in the staff picks as well. But this is going to be a great fight for him. I mean, both of these guys are trying to earn their way into the top 10. They're trying to get into the rankings in that division. Both of these guys uh, have good names to themselves. And while this is the sort of the introduction of Pahea to that division, um, he was no slouch at welterweight division. So, I mean, this, this would be a very, very good win for Petrosky, um, 100%. And on the flip side, too. What a bet! What a good way to you know stamp your welcome to a division if if Pahea can get in there and get a win over Petrosky. So, um, good stuff. I mean, it was a pretty uh, easy media day. wasn't too long. Eight people. I wish they would keep more of these eight media days, uh, eight people media days, um, as opposed to some of these 14, 16, 18 ones that just tend to drag on. Um, I will tell you the food that was served today was lackluster and I did not eat it. It was like they tried to do breakfast sandwiches because we started a little bit earlier. Well, we were supposed to start a little bit earlier. Supposed to start at 1045. I think our first uh, fighter on stage was like 1115. And then I had my stream go wrong. The audio was all fucked up. And then I couldn't get it to allow me to make a switch while it was actually recording. So then I had to deal with it for the whole one. And it happened to be one half of the main event, Edson Barboza. And I was so bummed. Um, so I, was, I had to actually take that and export it and I put it back into the stream and played it in the stream in between one of the other ones. So it was a delayed by about 20 minutes when he, when he was actually up there, but just long enough to have the YouTube haters hop in and say, Oh, junkie, you're always fucking shit up. You know, I wish we could charge asshats, uh, some money for the free stream that we provide them and let alone. Even though I got it back up during the show while still fixing and while still editing other shit, they still decided to yell. So, fuck you, sir, uh, which I can't remember what his name was, but whatever. But, uh, yeah, so that was a nice stressful start to uh, the media day. But it got better, and uh, we got out there pr- uh, relatively uh, early. Everybody was in good spirits. Everybody looked really good. I don't think uh, – I don't want to jinx it and say that we're going to uh, you know, have – I don't see anybody that looks like they're going to have any issues when it comes down to weight, but – Maybe that's a, a good or a bad thing because sometimes, you know, you almost kind of want to see him deplete it a little bit because then you know that uh, uh, the weight cut's going well. But maybe it's just more of a sign that uh, fighters are coming in more prepared. They're coming into fight weeks uh, lighter than normal. And so we don't have to see some of that crazy sunken, the sunken eyes and the looks where you're just kind of really worried for a fighter. Because um, n- none of them want to be cutting weight and up there answering questions for a prolonged period. So um, everybody there was in good spirit. So um, while they were hungry, they all were managing very well. And uh, it was short and easy and sweet. But, uh, yeah, it was good. So um, there it is. There's your update for uh, UFC Vegas 81 slash UFC Fight Night 300. Yusuf versus Barboza. And now I'll hop it back over to John. And uh, thanks, y'all, for listening.
All right, thank you for that fantastic breakdown, cold coffee, that I have not heard yet, of course. Because <laughs> I am recording this and sending it over to cold coffee so that he can record his segment and stick it in there. So I will check out that section when you guys check out that section. We'll all hear it together. But I think I can safely assume, right? I, safely assume? I think I can safely say and assume. So that means I safely assumed. I can safely assume. Nick Okabe did a fantastic job with his breakdown, I have no doubt, recapping all of the action that happened in beautiful Las Vegas. Uh, All right, listen, that's going to do it for us from Miami and uh, from Las Vegas. I really do appreciate everybody that continues to support the show, listens to it. Obviously, like I said, kind of a new phase of the career where a lot of what we're doing uh, on this side of it is just out on on my own and, and our own for this podcast. So, um, if you've ever thought about leaving a review, leaving a rating, uh, whatever the case may be, taking an extra second to do that certainly would be appreciated. And if you want to take that extra step and support us over at patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow, where you can help us out for as little as $3 a month, that is always appreciated as well. Uh, more to come, more announcements to come, more changes to come. It's, uh, I, I wish I would have had everything in a, in a, in a bow, in a bundle to roll all out at once and, and whatever, but... Uh, unfortunately, the world doesn't always play out at the exact speed that we want it to, right? That's part of the things that we have to learn. Uh, so we just have trust and faith that it will all continue to do so. But uh, exciting times ahead. I'm, I'm really excited for the next couple of months with CFFC and, and, and everything that's going on there. And uh, some of the further developments, uh, including, of course, CFFC Match Day that you saw announced uh, this week and, and today specifically. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy the product. Again, there's been a lot of dedicated hard work going on uh, behind the scenes to make it happen. So, uh, and, and still much more to happen, I should say, by the way. Still a lot more to go, but uh, I know the team that we have at CFFC, and I know how much passion there is around it, and uh, a lot of hardworking people that care and, and want to put something cool together, and I think we're going to do that. So, anyway, more to come on all that. In the meantime, uh, enjoy your time. I'll see all of you uh, over at the patreon.com uh, for the and a half episode uh, on Saturday night. Uh, if for some reason I'm a little late because I'm a little tired, uh, please understand. But I think I'm going to do it. I think we can swing it. I'm going to get some sleep on the plane. Uh, in the meantime, check out CFFC 126 on Friday night. Myself and CM Punk will be there. Should be a lot of fun. Should be some great fights. A new venue as well in Tampa, the Tampa State Fairgrounds. Uh, a little bit bigger room than what we were uh, able to do at the Hard Rock, and it also allowed us to go on a Friday night instead of a Thursday. I know we had a lot of – uh, people in the area that uh, wanted to come out, but it's just hard to go on a weekday sometimes. you got to work the next day. So uh, if you ever want to go to a live CFSC event, maybe this is the opportunity if you're in that Tampa area. I certainly would appreciate it. So uh, more than anything, though, appreciate all the support uh, of everybody. And, of course, thanks for listening.